Delighted to have Father George back. Welcome back, my friend. It's good to be back. Let's, uh, as we always do, open with a word of prayer, and then we will hear about uh, George's wonderful adventures. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for the deep friendships that you give to us and for uh, the pastor that you have given us and Father George, and we ask that you would just bless this time uh, to hear about him and his ministry and his uh, relaxation and uh, his family. We ask that you would um, feed our spirits even so. We ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right, my friend. Well, you, uh, you had a great uh, summer, it seems like, just from the outside. We can't hear, I can't wait to hear uh, all about it. And I just, um, but it started, so your, your last Sunday and my last Sunday were the same. And um, um, that was Pentecost, May 28th. And, um, and you, got, you started, I think, with some family stuff before you went on your big trip. Is that right? Did some graduation and things? Uh, no, I didn't go to the graduations. Okay. Um, I, I mis- misremembered because that. Because we, we couldn't get tickets. Oh. So, isn't that, isn't that sad? You know, when, when, when these... Uh, anyway, my... Next to the oldest, uh, granddaughter graduated from... Um, Community College in early May. Couldn't get tickets for that. She graduated from high school three weeks later, <laughs> which is strange. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, now she is a freshman at the University of Florida. And uh, Were her parents at, uh, there yesterday at they, the uh, they parents' weekend? Went, they all went to the game and came home very – they stayed with us. Oh, okay. That's why Mary Ellen's not here. Oh. She has a house full. Oh yeah, but they're all sad, long faces. <laughs> yeah, well, I was there too. It was, it was, uh, I was, I was disappointed in that defense. Uh, I, I was, but I'm not. I mean, we don't want to talk about the depth of my uh, fandom for uh, for Florida, but uh, it was, it was a, uh, it, it was, it was fun to be there. So I'm glad to hear that they're there. How's how's it going for her at the University of Florida? Well, um, she is she, she's in the honors program, lives in the honors dorm, and she has no life. I mean, study, study, study. So unlike, she didn't get any of that from me. I just want to make that clear. But she's doing well. Good. My oldest granddaughter graduated from Baylor University and is now taking a gap year and applying for med schools, uh, including Baylor, which she hopes she can get into Baylor, which isn't in Waco. It's actually in Houston. The, 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 oh. the med school is located in Houston. Um, and so she's gone ahead and moved to Houston and working for a doctor there. So, okay. So we had lots of graduations. I didn't get to attend any of them. <laughs> but the, the Tuesday following Pentecost, yes. we got on a plane. Yeah, and where did you go? <sighs> Atlanta Airport. Uh, actually, we went to um, Boston. Oh, Boston, okay. From Jacksonville, and then uh, got on ITA, which is the new name for... Alitalia, which is the Italian airline, and we flew to Rome, where we stayed for a week. It was cheaper to go to Rome and then fly a puddle jumper from Rome to Athens than it was to fly directly to Athens. So we did two stops in Rome, um, but we had a good time in Rome. We rented an Airbnb um, near the floral uh, market in Rome, and let me tell you, that is the way to go. Uh, the only caveat is when they say, you know, you're, uh, 
accommodations are on the second floor, they don't count the first floor. Right. So if your accommodations are on the second floor, that's actually the third floor. Yeah, that's right. There's the ground level, and then there's the first floor. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But it, we had great accommodations, and being next to the flower market, they sell flowers, but a lot of other things. I mean, it was just um, being with the Italian people, not in hotels, not in touristy area. It was wonderful. The food was absolutely great. Um, we did all of the touristy things. We went to the Trevi Fountain. Yes. Um, did, you, did all your wishes come true? They did. Oh, I got it. And are. Yeah. yeah. Um, the uh, the crowds were just unbelievable. Yeah. Um, we took a Vatican tour, uh, which I was very disappointed in. It was just the crowds were uh, there were way too many people. It's like when you're driving to Atlanta and you come to a stop on Interstate uh, 75. Uh, it's because there are too many cars for not enough road. Well, that's how. Almost everything was in Rome. There were too many people for... Um, and the really memorable things are when we got off the beaten path, where we could actually see uh, the Italian people and some history. And, and like early in the mornings, my um, I took two granddaughters with us. And uh, one of them is uh, a freshman at Nice High School. And she's on the cross-country team. So she gets up at... Oh, dark 30 every morning and runs um, 34 miles. Um, so I got up in the early morning, was able to walk, you know, in places with no tourists. You know, only me and the feral cats <laughs> and my granddaughter. How were the crowds of feral cats? Were they? Uh, yeah. They were very Italian. They were Italian. Okay. Yeah. Mm. Um, I'll come up with a joke for that later. But the um, uh, well, that's good. That's good. Did you did you only stay in in Rome, or did you go take? I mean, there's plenty to see, and I mean, you could easily take a week in Rome. Did you go out from Rome? Or no, did, we no? stayed right in Rome uh, because last year, previous year, we had gone to Lake Como and Milan and and done the northern uh-huh. tier. Okay. Uh, this year, I knew we'd never been to Rome, so uh-huh. it was just oh. uh, went to the uh, Pantheon, which is. Uh, still an active-serving church. Uh, and it was originally built as a temple for all the gods, right. and then later became a Christian church. And it is just as well-preserved and active as you could imagine. And it was, again, going early in the morning when the crowds weren't there. Uh, that was impressive. Yeah. Uh, and I you think, can see the layers of streets around it, yep. which is yep. really neat. Yep. And Amy and I, when we went there uh, before seminary, so 20 years ago... Um, we ate uh, these rice balls right by the Pantheon, and we still talk about those rice balls. Yeah, they were. They were. Did you get the rice balls? <laughs> um, Got to go back. Got to go back. Uh, uh, Colosseum, uh, the, the Forum, all that. Yeah. We did all of those. Did you things. go to the uh, prison where Peter and Paul had were kept, said to have been kept? Uh, no. Oh man, the uh, I wish I. Do you remember the name of that prison in in Rome? It is. Um. It, it, what's that? Um, it. I mean, if anybody would know, um, I, I would. I would think Josh. But the. Um, the. Uh, I mean, we read Philippians in the place where Paul was said to have written Philippians. It was pretty, pretty, pretty cool. Um, 
Very good. So, so what, what would you say, was it sort of touristy? Was there any spiritual value in that for you? Was it, was it just, just time away? What, what? I, I think it was, uh, Rome was more touristy, mm-hmm. um, just because the crowds were just so enormous. Going through the Vatican, there's so many beautiful pieces of art with so much history and so much spiritual significance that you couldn't hear yourself think. You couldn't, uh, you know, we had the little earphones with the, and it was so noisy you couldn't really hear your guide talk to you. And uh, it was just too crowded. When we went through the Sistine Chapel, they made you just literally walk across the floor and out the door. You couldn't stop. You couldn't stop. And it was it was uh, unfortunate. Um, but that's uh, largely people were cooped up for a few years because of COVID, and everybody, like we were, were anxious to get back, you know, to see the world. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, good. So you had a, a week in, uh, in Rome, Rome, and then you took a puddle jumper. We took a puddle jumper to Athens. Yes. Uh, where we rented uh, a, uh, a bus, a small, oh, I don't know, it probably would hold 18 people and a driver, and we again did an Airbnb. When you say we, so who all's with uh, you? My granddaughters, Mary Ellen, my daughter, her husband, uh, so there were seven of us. Seven or eight. Okay. I hope I didn't leave one. <laughs> I feel like you would have you would have known by now. Yeah. So uh, we uh, we rented a another Airbnb. Again, they count the floors the same in Greece as they do in Italy. But this one had a rooftop garden. We rented the whole building, and um, you go up onto the rooftop garden, and you look up. And there was the Acropolis, which was lighted at night. You could reach out and touch it. We were about three blocks from the base of the Acropolis. And it was just, I mean, it was, and all of these buildings have been redone. They're air-conditioned, they're modern, they're beautifully uh, restored. Um, again, Athens was not nearly as crowded as Rome. Um, and the places to eat, everywhere you turn, there was a place to eat. And the Greeks hawk their food. Uh, there's a hawker, what I call, like a, uh, um, a carnival, huckster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, come on in, go, go see the lady with the tattoos. Well, in this case, it would be, come on in, have our, you know, whatever meal there was special for. And, oh my goodness, some of the food. Do they have signs with arrows that were flipping up in the, in the, and they were spinning in the... I, they haven't figured that they out. They hadn't done that yet. But that mm. would work. Yeah. Mm. They were much more aggressive uh, yeah, uh, to get you in. And, but the food and almost everything is like a garden outside because it doesn't rain a lot uh, in Athens or in that part of Greece. So they have these big um, umbrellas that cover the tables in case you get a sprinkle. But... Mostly, it's good weather, and people eat outdoors, and it's cool at night. It was cool when we were there. Um, but everywhere you turn, there are antiquities. And um, I don't know how many of you saw my big fat Greek wedding. One, two, three. That, that's Mary Ellen's family. Uh, they met us there. Uh, Mary Ellen's uh, grandfather and some of her aunts and uncles were born in Greece and immigrated here, and other than be in contact uh, via social media and occasional letter, uh, 
Mary Ellen had never met this part of the family. So they met us and, and treated us uh, like, you know, we were close family. And um, one of the um, Mary Ellen's cousins was educated in England and is a CPA. And she speaks perfect English. And she did a lot of the translating. A lot of the other relatives don't speak any English. Um, but they showed us around. We got to see all the... Luckily, you took Greek in seminary. So, yeah, this yeah. did not help. <laughs> <laughs> did not help. Did not help. Um, but you could see not only the Greek antiquity, but the Romans were also there. And you could see some of the later things that the Romans had built. Uh, we went up to um, the Acropolis and got to be right there uh, with all of the ancient works that were built on that hill and, and see the pieces they were put. They're constantly restoring it. And they have all these pieces cataloged and laying out beside uh, the building that it was a part of. And they're in the process of putting it all back together. Unfortunately, about 1890... Uh, the Turks were occupying Athens at the time, and they were using the Acropolis as an ammunition depot, and it caught fire and burned and blew up. And so a lot of the damage you see is, is modern damage hmm. that they're in the process of restoring. The most noteworthy thing, though, is on the way up to the Acropolis, there's a little note, Mars Hill. Mm. Areopagus and they have a series of stairs where somebody tried to pickpocket me uh, so I went up to the Areopagus with my family and stood on the Areopagus and where Paul would have stood the Apostle Paul keeping in mind that he on his second I believe his second missionary journey came through Athens and he looked, went through town and he saw all of the temples to all of the various gods, even a temple to the unnamed god or unknown god. And then he begins to tell all of the Areopagites, who were the philosophers and the distinguished learning people, learned people of the Greek society, about his god. And um, I think he deputized or ordained, if you will, uh, Dionysus, who became the first bishop of Athens, and then he went on to Corinth. Um, you know, I've always wondered why some of the cities have their own letters to the churches from Paul. Like, we have Corinthians, we have Ephesians, uh, Thessalonians, and uh, my Greek cousin explained to me, he says, well, that's because, my, Mary Ellen's Greek cousin, that's because Paul only wrote to the churches that were having trouble. We didn't have trouble here. Perfect church in Athens, right? Yeah, yeah that's right. So, I did. so after, uh, I think we spent four, five, six days, five days in Athens, uh, which is just was the highlight of the early part of our trip. So much better than Rome. Uh, we then got in our rented van with our driver and drove for four hours on an interstate highway. I was surprised. They've got interstate highways, um, which are just like ours, with exits and rest stops. And 
we drove to a region in northeast Greece called Carpense. And it was totally unlike anything that we had imagined. Because Greece is arid. I mean, it's like the American West. You could be Arizona or, or uh, in Santa Fe. I mean, there are green flowers around the cities and little streams and whatnot. That's how Greece is uh, in the east and in the south. But when you get up in Carpense, the mountains, you might as well be in Tennessee. Because it's lush, deciduous forests with lots of rain and uh, raging rivers and, you know, rock, just like you would see near Gatlinburg. Or, or, and we weren't ready for that. Did they have a Dollywood equivalent? Or? <laughs> well, yes, and I'll get to it. Okay, good, yeah, good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, our driver, who uh, was very well educated, um, we give us a little. Uh, we went through um, Delphi, and we, the oracle was quiet the day we were there. Uh, but we had good, good coffee there. Mm-hmm. Um, so we went to the little village where Mary Ellen's family is from, and many still live. It's it's a megalahorio. Is how you say it, Mega Lahorio. And it literally in Greek means big village. And right down the road is Mikro Lahorio, <laughs> which means little village. <laughs> there are about 600 people who live in this village, and uh, uh, just about all of them are related to Mary Ellen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, her cousin, who is just a year or two older than we are, I think maybe he's like 74-ish. Drove from his home in Athens up to Megalahorio. And he had bought Mary Ellen's great-grandfather's house, who was a blacksmith. And he had converted it into a retreat for he and his family to come to the home village. They could go there whenever they wanted and stay, you know, a week or two and and he'd redone it. And uh, he invited us, of course, for our meal there first. Uh, the front door of the house was now the dining room table where the stable was underneath. Uh, is now bedrooms. But right outside the front door was the <coughs> hearth where... Mary Ellen's grandfather was blacksmith and all the tools were still there. As we walked through the streets of this uh, little village of Megalahorio, um, her cousin Spiros would stop and say, wait a minute here, you go knock on the door and here's another of your cousins. <laughs> we must have done that 20 or 30 times. <laughs> uh, one of the highlights of being in Megalahorio was we went, they, they took us over to a monastery <coughs> called Prusos. And the Prusos Monastery was built in the 8th century. Uh, as the uh, Muslims began to expand into what is now Turkey, um, they drove out many of the Orthodox monasteries. <coughs> and this monastery, 8th century, just amazing, the beauty and the art 
that is in there. They call when when you do an icon. Greeks have icons, uh, pictures of the uh, God bearer, the mother of God, uh, Mary, and of Jesus. Uh, they call it writing when you write uh, an icon. You don't paint it, but the art is just unbelievable. The gold. Uh, and brass that they use. It was just, and to think this has been there and survived the Turkish invasions. Greeks and Turks don't get along. And there's a reason why. But, uh, it was just an extremely spiritual place. Uh, and the, uh, uh, you, could, you could just sense the prayer that has gone on there. Uh, in their church. Um, so that was really uh, uh, a wonderful experience. It sounds like, so I, am I right to assume that Mary Ellen's family is Orthodox? Uh, yeah. Uh, Mary Ellen's uh, other great-grandfather uh -huh. on the other side was a Greek priest, and we went to the little Greek church in Megalahorio, and there is a memorial to him. Oh. Uh, and he is a local folk hero because he... Uh, uh, protected and hid people from the Turks. Oh, wow. <laughs> when the Turks would raid. Uh, World War I uh, would be the time period. It sounds like you were very taken with and respectful of, of their denomination, their, their way of worship. Were, were, did you experience the same from, the, from them to, towards you as a, as a well, Protestant Episcopal priest? Well, we went down to the church there, in, which is also called um, Hagia Sophia. It's not the Hagia Sophia of Constantinople, but it means holy wisdom is what it means in Greek. And they didn't know I was a priest. Mm. And the Greek priest saw my ring and asked me about it and says, you know, are you um, a priest? He, he, mm. he, he figured me out. <laughs> yes, he was very respectful, wanted to know. Um, he knew uh, about the Archbishop of Canterbury and their outreach that they've been doing to the Greek church and wanted to talk about that, and I very honestly didn't know much about it. Mm -hmm. But I, I did a lot of nodding. Yeah. <laughs> and he was very fluent in English. Um, but they are, uh, they still have to wear these long, black, hot robes all the time. And, and th when I was a boy growing up, that was the case in the Episcopal Church in the Diocese of Florida. Uh, but now we get to dress in regular clothes. Yeah, well, I don't know about this being regular clothes, but yeah, that's, um, I'm glad we're not in black all the time. Yep. Yeah. The Diocese of Florida, really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Surprises me. Um, so what, how long were you in uh, Magia Lahoro? Magalahori. Ma, that's what uh, I said. We were there a week. <laughs> we were there a week, mm -hmm. and we toured uh, all all the areas around. Everything that was significant, they wanted to show us. Mm -hmm. um, the hospitality just unbelievable. Yeah, unbelievable. And the Greeks really did invent everything. Uh, if you get back to my big fat Greek wedding, yeah, that's true. That's so true. <laughs> Windex? Do they use any Windex? No, they don't. That's, no. that's, that's Hollywood. Yeah, okay, all right, yeah. Um, what would you say, so you had, a, you had time in Athens, you had time in um, 
Magalahorio. Yeah. And uh, what would you give me? Give me a sort of uh, tourist highlight and a spiritual highlight from from that time. Uh, well, the tourist highlight and the spiritual highlight would have to be the Prusos Monastery. The monastery. Just okay. mm-hmm. when you come in, the mountains are. It's like the Alps. I mean, they're that large. Um, and when you come in, the road is so windy around the mountains that you wonder how anybody could ever get back in here. And that's why they built the monastery back there for protection. Um, it was from a distance you could just, I mean, it, was, it would raise the hair on the back of your necks because it was hung on the side of a mountain. Mm. It was just beautiful. Um, then we went back to Athens and got on a ship and took uh, an eight-day cruise around the Aegean. This is the l- luxurious life of a retired priest, y'all. This is what, <laughs> this is what I'm looking forward to. And so uh, this is, this is and our first, well, what we all get, really. You know, and our, our first stop yeah. is Ephesus. Is that right? Yep. Your what? Ephesus. Oh. And um, I, yeah, I didn't know what to expect. Um, it was the Turkish city of Kadusa that we, we uh, landed in. And for any of you that are familiar with medical symbol, symbology, the Kadusa is the uh, symbol for doctors and nurses. And Anyway, um, the Ephesus used to be on the coast, but since biblical times, since Paul would have been there and John would have been there, um, the delta has built up, and it's about four or five miles now from, oh, wow. from the Mediterranean Sea. The Turkish government, to their credit, has done a miraculous job in restoring Ephesus and not allowing it to be commercialized. It is absolutely amazing when you walk down the main street and you can see the library, the, the facade of the library, uh, and know that Paul, little short Paul, that's how I envision him, would have walked down that street, maybe gone into the library, and then right around the corner from the library, there's this big amphitheater. And if you remember when Paul went to Ephesus, they wanted to tar and feather, maybe kill him, because mm-hmm. he was causing people not to buy little idols of Artemis, which was the Greek god who was the patron god of Ephesus. And they had to be calmed down by the mayor or the governor. Somebody quelled them down and they didn't do anything wrong. Anyway, he beat feet out of there pretty quickly. Uh, but okay, gonna, Let me interrupt you real quick. I'm going to have to go because we've got, we've got five baptisms. Um, I feel like you're doing a great job of interviewing yourself. So um, if you will uh, turn this off when, when you're done and turn, uh, turn Katie off. Bye, okay. Katie. And then, um, but t- so by my count, we're at about mid-June. And you've got 15 minutes. So, um, so we do- want to hear about the mountains and stuff. But I mean, this is fascinating. Next week, uh, and for a few weeks after that, Father George is going to do a class on the prayer book. Uh, and teach sort of more about, he's um, taught us before, but he's going to teach about the prayer book. Uh, so maybe you can talk about that. But I'm going to, um, and, and tell us why you came back. I mean, we, we're just really excited about that. Um, I ran out of money. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. That's good. He's been working on that line. All right. 
Um, I've got to go prepare these uh, sweet families for uh, for the service, and then um, but we're going to leave it to you guys. All right. God bless. So um, Ephesus was just absolutely amazing, um, and of the cruise, that would have definitely been the highlight. Um, and again, credit to the Turkish government. Um, from there, we went to Istanbul. Istanbul is a city of approximately 12 million people. Uh, and we docked right in the Bosphorus, which is a little narrow passage between the Black Sea and the Mediterranean Sea. And boy, does it have a current. I mean, it is fast-flowing, significant current. And in um, Istanbul, uh, we went to the Sultan's Palace, which was, I mean, just pretty remarkable. Um, beautiful palace. As pretty as anything I've seen in England um, or Germany. Um, very... Um, Luxurious accommodations, to, to say the least. The interesting thing for me in um, Istanbul is all the women had to wear long pants and they had to wear their hair covered. Um, whenever we went to an official site. Um, from the Winter Palace, we went to the um, big attraction, at least for Christians, in um, uh, Istanbul, Constantinople, is the Hagia Sophia, which is um, was a Christian church. Hagia Sophia means holy knowledge. The Hagia Sophia is now a mosque, and everything that was Christian is covered, either with fabric or has been plastered over. And um, it, for many, many centuries, was the largest freestanding open building, open area building with floor space in the world. The columns are about half as big as this room at the base. Uh, the grandeur, and knowing this thing was built in the seventh century, 6th and 7th century, is just unbelievable. And it's still standing today. It was a Christian church until 1650s. No, got that wrong. 1450s. So it was a Christian church up until about 50 years before Columbus sailed for the New World. At that point, the Muslims made their way across the uh, Bosphorus and were able to take Constantinople. And it became a Muslim city and has remained so since then. <coughs> if, um, if I talk about spirituality, we were in Rome and we were in Constantinople, which were the two centers of Christianity uh, for a good part of a millennium and a half. If we remember, there were other churches that largely ceased to exist. There was the church in Alexandria, 
which was probably the largest and most influential church in the in the Holy Roman in the Empire, Roman Empire. Also, there was a church in Jerusalem, which wasn't that big, but it was influential. And there was a church in Antioch. That's where Christians were first called Christians. Those churches ceased to exist as the Muslims came out of the desert and captured those areas. Rome and Constantinople held off. Constantinople held off until 1450, which left only Rome. So when people talk about a Catholic church, they most often think of the Roman Catholic church. But the Catholic church included the church in Alexandria, the church in Jerusalem, the church in Antioch, church in Constantinople, as well as the church in Rome. The church in Rome was the only one that went on unconquered and basically influenced the development of Western Europe. But I felt that great spirituality. Moving on from that, um, we went to other Greek islands, Mykonos, uh, Rhodes, uh, Santorini. Santorini, yes. Uh, all of those places got some of my money. <laughs> and then we returned to Athens, uh, and we flew uh, out to Rome again. And uh, this time we stayed out in the countryside, uh, out near the airport in the sea, the, the sea coast, uh, which was just a, a which was a wonderful experience. The food was just seafood, it was just out of this world. Um, I put on about 15 pounds, <laughs> which I'm struggling to get rid of. <laughs> Everything's tight, including my collar. <laughs> but I have nice cheeks. <laughs> Any questions on, on our travels? I have a quick question. When you went to uh, Mary Ellen's town, how far were you from Thessalonica? We were... Uh, uh, Thessaloniki is uh, about two and a half hours north east of Athens and we went west oh okay uh, so we were at least four or five hours away but we went right by Corinth so is it is that still desert then in that area or are you starting to get into trees up there oh uh, no that's up on the uh, up on the coast and that would be less arid uh, much closer to uh, the Bosphorus and and the Turks the dreaded Turks. Was Istanbul safe? Uh, there was no, at no time I didn't feel safe because there was a heavy police presence. Mm. Heavy what? Heavy police presence. Where was this? In, in um, Istanbul. Istanbul. Um, but like in Kadusa, the other places we went in Turkey, no problem. Yeah, I've heard mixed things about it. Yeah. Why would they cover rather than plaster up the rest? I mean, that's like a halfway measure for them. Um, the places that are covered are the highest and most difficult to, to, <laughs> to, to get to. But they would have big, uh, like, veils. 
over it, hung by curtains, hung over the Christian. And you could still see um, in places, if you knew what you were looking for, you could still see the um, uh, some of the um, tile work had Christian yeah. symbols and uh, uh, they are as the Roman church, very reverent towards the Virgin Mary. And in Greek, they call her the Theokonis, uh, which is God, literally God-bearer. Theokonis, Theokonis, uh, God-bearer, because she brought Jesus into the world. So they honor her for that. So there aren't many Christians, I guess, in Istanbul, or in Constantinople. There's some, there's some. Yeah. It's still um, the seat of the Greek Orthodox Church and the Metropolitan, is there, which would be like the Archbishop. It, can you still visit the catacombs in Rome? Uh, yes, you can. We did not. It was just, um, you had to buy your tickets from private agencies in order to guarantee entrance, or you could go and wait in line for hours and hours and hours. It it was just uh, it had become. I mean, it's just too that many. That was people. one of the sights that stuck in my mind. That was kind of scary. Did you have to take off your shoes when you went into the? Yes, in the mosques. Yes. Was your Greek monastery way up in the rocks? Yes. Yes. Hanging on the side of a mountain. And they built them there to be protected from the Turks. But how did they get the stuff up there to build them with? They're Greeks. <laughs> you know, Greeks are stubborn people. <laughs> I'm, I've been married to one for almost 52 years. <laughs> Y'all can all tell her that too. <laughs> when you were in Rome, did you get to see Moses or the Pieta? Um, Michelangelo's works. Yes. From a, from a crowded distance. Oh. When I was in Rome, there weren't crowds, and you could walk right up. I was like a foot from Moses. Yep. No. Is there a season for Rome that would be better than when you went? I don't know. If there would, if there would uh, be, it would probably be middle of the winter when people aren't traveling, but I, I would be guessing. So when we got back, we went to our cabin in Blairsville, Georgia. Uh, our cabin is about four miles from the North Carolina line. When we worship, we worship at Church of the Messiah in Murphy, North Carolina. And we're at about um, 2,900 feet elevation. And so we don't have to use our air conditioning most days. Um, it was absolutely beautiful. And we stayed through the leaves turning, which we haven't been able to do since I retired. And they were as beautiful as I can ever remember a New England fall being. Bright, vivid reds. Uh, oranges. Uh, we went up on a, a, a skyway between Tennessee and uh, tell something plains. Teleco. Teleco plains, Tennessee, and uh, Andrews, North Carolina, and they call it the Cherhala um, 
Sky Drive. And it had snowed. This is in October. And we were there two days after the snow, and on the south side of the road that was in the shade, the snow was still there. This is October. So we're just being for um, let me just for one or two minutes ask uh, for the next few weeks I'm going to be talking about a prayer book anything particular that would be of interest to you to make sure I talk about when we talk about the prayer book just the evolution the evolution yeah okay. Is there talk about having a new edition? I sure hope not. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, yes, there is talk uh, about having a new prayer book. Uh, as you, you may or may not know, we typically go about 50 or 60 years between prayer books. Uh, the, the one that I grew up worshiping with was the 1928 prayer book. Mm -hmm. um, and then along came, what is it, 1978? 79. 79. 79. Mm -hmm. Prayer book. Um, two of my seminary professors had worked on the prayer book and talked ad nauseum about the prayer book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes, there's talk and it's about time. I just, I hope that I'm a much older priest and not active. Because I, I still have to read the liturgy. I'm okay in write one, but if I don't read write two, I will slip into the old wording <laughs> like that. Um, so, the younger priests are going to have, have to deal with that. <laughs> Anything else that you'd be interested about the prayer book? Interested to hear what you're going to say about it. <laughs> well, it's a good thing, <laughs> and uh, I will I will try to do it with humor and with seriousness at the same time, uh, because as Episcopalians we, we we ought to be able to laugh at ourselves on occasion. We'll go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Bye bye. That was so interesting. That was awesome. Thank you. Thank you.